Welcome back, my little chickens, to Just for Farm. Oh, see the, see the chicken reference there. I'll do anything to get a farming gag in. Uh, welcome back, my little chickens, to Just for Farmers. As always, I'm with the legend that is Paul, Lord Paul Harris. Hi, Paul. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. I don't think he's got over his cold yet, but he's he's no. just been a bit of a diva about it. But we'll we'll so he'll, he'll probably mute himself to sniffle and we'll mock him. <laughs> man flu, you need to understand. Man that. flu, that's it, man flu. And and today we've got a very different guest. We've had people with farming experience, people from the farming industry. We've had experts on. Um, physical well-being and all sorts of different subjects for you and today I thought we'd do something very different a bit left field a very old speaking buddy of mine is Darren Harris hi Darren how you doing hi David now Darren Darren has given me quite a decent introduction unlike most speakers you see a good you can spot a pro (laughs) a mile off they give you a good introduction so that you don't make stuff up and make them look bad so I'll start off with Darren's introduction and then I'm going to let him introduce himself with a little bit of a backstory on why we should be listening to Darren so Darren is a multidiscipline Paralympian, psychologist, fully qualified. He didn't just get it from a cornflakes box. He inspires and enables people to overcome adversity in business, education, and their personal life. Get this. He's one of England's most capped blind... Well, he's England's most capped, and in the top three England most capped footballers. If anyone goes to St George's Park, we've got this massive wall in reception, the honours wall, and Darren is one of only three footballers who has got more than is it 150 caps, Darren? Correct. The guy, one of my mates on the legends wall, beating people like David Beckham and Wayne Rooney and all the rest of them. So I'm I'm so proud of him. Anyway, he's not only England's most clapboard footballer, he's an honorary doctor, a best-selling author, and that's not despite, but because of his blindness. Darren is one of the most ferociously independently-minded people I've ever met in my life. It's got he's got a drive. He's got a drive, a relentlessness about him. So, Darren, tell us a little bit, like a, a two-minute potted resume of your life, mate. I was going to say I've got a drive, but without a car. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so I, was, I was born with a bilateral retinoblastoma. So I had cancer in both my eyes. My left eye was removed. My right eye was treated with radiotherapy. And as I got older the treatment I had meant that my sight gradually got worse and worse and worse over the next 20 years or so. And I think for pretty much half my life, maybe more than that, my, my entire focus was on returning back to this state. It was like, well, can I restore my sight? Can I restore some, I'd go to the hospital every single year. I would see these doctors and I'd be hoping for this miracle cure. And these doctors would tell me that my sight was getting worse and there was nothing they could do about it. Wow. And, you know, I was in a dark place, literally and metaphorically. And <laughs> Sorry, mate. It's, it's, is that better than your chicken joke? That's, that, that, that's, that's worth a ripple of applause just for that gag alone. <laughs> but I, I think, I suppose the epiphany for me was when I realised that it really wasn't my blindness that was stopping me from achieving what I wanted in life. It was how right. I thought and how I felt about that. And so... I came up with this idea that, you know, I couldn't restore my sight, but I could 
unblind my mind which was really about changing my whole mindset around what blindness meant to me right and what what okay so let's start there what did it mean to you so I think initially you you kind of you're 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 told about all of the sort of physical and social reasons why blindness is a, is a challenge so you know you can't see how to cross you know cars when you're crossing the road you're not going to see holes in the road you're not going to be able to find the lift when you enter a building there was all these sort of very practical pragmatic reasons why why blindness is so difficult yeah. Uh, and some of those could be kind of overcome maybe by, you know, socially changing the environment and things like that. Yeah. But also for me, it was very much how that made me feel. So blindness became something that was inferior to sight. Uh, and so anytime you've got some inferiority complex, you're not going to feel particularly great about yourself. So being blind was something that people would in, would encourage people to feel sympathy for me or patronize me i mean i still have these moments even now where i can stand at a bus stop and people come up and uh, start praying for me for example because they they assume that my life is 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 awful and terrible because i'm blind and so for me i had to sort of remove all that baggage and actually start to think about blindness in a positive light and you know how could i think that blindness was actually an advantage for me as opposed to a disadvantage what you what you said there I want to dig a bit deeper. If you, if you'll allow us to ask sort of personal questions, feel free to say I'd, I'd rather not answer that, Dave. But you said you realised very early on it was about how you thought and felt and that you weren't after sympathy. And I'm trying to think of our, our watchers and listeners to this who are farmers. They're from a sort of long-standing pass it down the heritage line on the farm place and industry where th they want massive change to happen, but they want someone else to do it because they're stuck where they are. And what you've said there, I'm going to make a massive assumption and I'm sure a lot of farmers will try and shoot me down in flames for saying this, but I have met some farmers for whom they're not prepared to change how they think and feel. And actually they'll moan about it and not perhaps not perhaps from a place of wanting sympathy but just not wanting to take control everything you've described about your journey was about you taking control so was there a moment where you decided to take control of how you think and how you feel and if so how on earth did you do it <laughs> well there's there's a there's a sort of biomedical and sort of social model of disability so on, on one hand the biomedical model kind of said that the cause of my blindness was this was this cancer yeah. uh, and the only treatment for that was you know for, for my sight to be restored and the only person who could do that was the medical profession you know they were the the arbiters the, the people who who quotes my fate was in and then you've got on the other aspect the, the sort of social model of disability which kind of says that well i'm blind because of the the structure of the environment now, yeah. the, the only way we can treat that is for us to change that environment, for example. Mm -hmm. And again, the, the only people who are in, in control of that are perhaps government policy or, or social values. And so we sometimes kind of cast this in the sort of nature versus um, nurture debate. But I've, I've always believed there's like an intersection between, you know, so what, what comes between our genes and our environment? And, and truly it's us. And so I, I realized that 
it, you know, if, if, if those things were the case and I had no control over that, the only thing I could change was how I thought about it and how I felt about it. That was the, that, so for me, those two models limited my agency for change and that I had to think about what I could do. So when I was going to the doctors and hoping that they'd come up with this miracle cure to fix my eyes and they couldn't, well, what was left? And if I went to uh, social services and said, well, you know, you know, this road hasn't got a, a Pelican crossing on it, or there's no bubbles on this particular street, you know, if they didn't do that, what was left, you know, and what was left is, is my own thoughts and my own feelings. And, and therefore it was about me taking ownership of those and making that change myself. And how did you though? How, how did you take control? Cause that's very easy for someone like yourself to say, who's now got, you know, a couple of decades behind him of being ferociously independent, taking control of your thoughts and feelings. For most people to take control of their thoughts and feelings is one of the biggest things they'll ever do. So how did you start? Well, I think one of the big areas that changed everything for me was when I went to, I'd, I'd come out of a mainstream school where I was the only blind kid in my school. And then I went to a, a, a boarding school for, for blind kids Right. Uh, and I think we're, we're, we're taught to a certain degree that, um, you know, there's, if you're biblical, I know some people are, there's, there's a, there's a, there's, there's a statement in, in Matthew 15, which talks about the blind leading the blind. Uh, and it was almost like that sighted people believe that they were the, the guides for the blind, you know, and right. I realized that the only people that could really teach me how to manage the world of being blind were other blind people. Uh, and I think it's really important in terms of, you know, who we who we seek out for our support and our and our help wow. that we find it from the right people. <laughs> so these blind people here were like showing me things that I didn't know were possible. And I remember the first encounter was I remember st I still had sight. I still had a bit of sight. I still could see large objects. I could still kind of recognize people. There was this occasion when I was standing there talking to a friend of mine and I could hear this bike coming in the distance. And there was this whirring of the bike. And I looked around and it was a tandem, but you know, you might expect on a tandem that the pilot is the person who could see and the stoker <laughs> is the person who's blind. But this was in reverse. They had the totally blind person on the front of the bike. Wow. And I was like, wow, how is this possible? This is like, these were like, I don't know if you've, you, you know, the, uh, the old daredevil comic, <laughs> comic strip. These were like real life daredevils in my, in my kind of vicinity. These were people who were living it in practice and doing these incredible things and for the first time I thought actually being blind is pretty cool you know maybe there's things that they can do that sighted people can't do and then maybe there's an advantage to this um, yeah. and so they began to just show me this this way of living and doing things which was completely fearless uh, and I didn't know how they did it I didn't know that they were using a technique called echolocation but I would kind of go go out there and sort of test it test myself so I used to go and stand in an alleyway, for example, and I would listen to the cars. So if you're in an alleyway and it's quite a narrow alleyway, the sound will kind of echo off both walls. And I would test myself to see if I could pick which direction the car was coming from by working out which wall it hit first. And I would just have fun with it. I just play little games, little experiments, little tests. Wow. You know, could I navigate my, my, my way um through this environment you know without without sight without even a cane for example uh and so there was all these sorts of things that people were doing 
um, which just just blew my mind. And uh, so, so, so that was the, a real kind of grounding for me. I learned some really tough, but really valuable lessons in that environment. Incredible. Incredible. I've got loads of questions. Paul, have yeah, you got something you want to say? I was just going to ask, because um, this is this as a metaphor, Darren, you know, what you're describing, I love the blind leading the blind, is that it's so easy for us to copy the crowd. And in farming, we spend a lot of time with each other. It's mm. quite a, I wouldn't say it's a closed industry, but we enjoy spending time with other farmers. The risk with that is that you only ever hear what other farmers are saying. So you suddenly had this transformation of hearing people that, could really inspire you and I think that's really helpful for our farmers to think about who do they talk to do you talk to the people that are saying oh it's a nightmare it's terrible or do you talk to people you know who are thinking more positively so have you surrounded yourself with positive people I mean you must have had down days Darren I mean you wouldn't be human if going through a blindness journey you you must have had your tough days so whilst we hear the positives my question is, how did you deal with those down days? And did you reach out? Who did you reach out to during those times? So I, I, uh, I actively seek out those sort of positive people. Yeah. And, uh, and I guess you know, and perhaps some of them seek me out as well. So, you know, you do, you do, you do find yourself in this strange little world where even what, even though what you do is considered abnormal by most of society in my circle of friends what we do is is perfectly normal mm. and 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 so i've i've surrounded myself by people who who run ultra marathons who who want to set guinness buckles records for riding 24 hours on a stationary bike and do these incredibly crazy mad things and you kind of think how is that possible and, and also why would you want to do that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But somehow it's really infectious, isn't it? So those moments when I do feel down, and uh, you know, and they, and they happen, it, those I I just draw upon those people and say, okay, what what would they do in that situation? Or I just give them a call and say, you know what, uh, it's not going great today. But what I know more than anything is that even on the days, um, and so sport has become a massive part of my life, and I think. We, we we sell sport really badly because most people do sport either to lose weight to get fit or to get big muscles you know we all want big muscles uh but it, it, it's almost been missold because for me it's always been my go-to pick me up so that sport isn't just about the winning the medals and you see a lot of athletes even when they finish sport then they they, they pile on the weight and some of them look like they've never done sport in their life because they've they've literally kind of gone off the rails I, yeah, for, I, I, I used to be an elite athlete. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's the one, <laughs> David. Yes, before I knew you, you were. <laughs> um, but so I've but I've used it as this as this tool to to pick me up. And I've never come back from a training session regretting doing it. Um, and so even those days when I least want to do it, and you know, now we're coming into winter and it's going to be dark and cold, wet, pretty miserable. And those are the days where we, our, our instincts, when we're feeling sorry for ourselves, is to just lie in the corner, curl up in a ball, cover ourselves in the duvet, close the curtains, forget about the world for a while. It's those days where I think it's most important that we literally get out, get moving, because we were designed to move and yeah. just do something. And it literally, it changes my state. Every time I go and train, go to the gym, go for a run, literally instantaneously, it changes my state. 
Um, and so that's that's one tool that I've always got. And, in, and if you're not sporting, lots of people aren't. There, there are other ways, you know, there is music, there's art. But I think uh, there's there's finding a way to give yourself some respite from those moments of, of, of darkness. Uh, and even if it's only for a moment, it's still better than you've been in this constant state where these thoughts are just circling around you, around your head and on an endless feedback loop. And you you need to find a sort of circuit breaker. So, you know, some people use cold water therapy, don't they? Get in a cold shower and it literally just shocks you out of like, oh, uh, I'm not thinking about the crap that's going on in my life at the moment. I'm thinking this water is really cold. <laughs> and, let me ask you a question, Darren, because this is very applicable for our farmers. So, and I hear this quite a lot, you know, farming is very intense. It's very long hours. Um, so if you were living um, on a farm with lots of land around you, mm -hmm. would you ever want to go walk or run on that land or would you just ignore it? It's a leading question because what I'm really saying is I can imagine if you were in that environment, you would, although you can't see it, you'd go out and maximise what you've got around you. Whereas I think often with farmers, they forget they're often living in amazing places, sometimes mm. on the coast, sometimes in the hills, and they never go out and walk or run. Yeah, That's right. They take it for granted. We, yes. um, 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 a lot of us do, don't we? You don't have to be a farmer for that to happen. Yeah. I, I've, I've got a lot of friends who during COVID uh, realised that they couldn't go anywhere. And you know, one of my good friends discovered there was this woods behind her house and she's been living there 10 years. <laughs> and she goes i never knew this was here uh, on my doorstep and so sometimes yeah those those things that can help us are really on our doorstep and we could definitely make use of it perhaps it's uh, wanting that separation between you know work and play you know that you know some maybe because it's their place of work it's not as easy to sort of separate yourself from that just a little bit like people who have started working from home now struggle to sort of separate their home life from their work life so yes, maybe there is maybe, maybe there is something in that but even if it's not around exercise or or you know they said there are there are other ways we can do things which don't always have to take lots and lots of time it's just being uh, mindful about it and actively choosing to do something different and get into a routine where you know this is your kind of go-to thing Darren, I'm going to ask you. I'm going to ask you about mindset again, because, and again, D D Darren, for those listening to this, Darren is quite modest. So not only has he got these sporting and psychology prowess, but he has. And please tell me if I've messed this up, Darren. He has represented at elite level Great Britain three different disciplines: athletics, football, and judo. Is that right, Darren? Correct. Yeah. Now, and now he's too old to play football. He's going back to judo again. <laughs> now, so what I'm hearing is you just need to stick at something, Darren. You know, a bit of consistency, mate, and you'll do all right. <laughs> but, but, uh, <laughs> but in order for that to happen, you've had to do exactly what you've just been telling us. You've had to surround yourself with good people and, more importantly, ask for help when you need it, but also change the way you think and feel and I'm putting words into your mouth. What you did was you took ownership, you took responsibility, and you were the change that you wanted to experience in the world. And I loved what you said about never regret a training session. 
You, you know, you've never left a training session regretting doing it. Mm. And about two years ago, you and I sat at a dinner table with another visually impaired sporting superstar, Dave Healy, blind mm. Dave Healy, uh, world record holder and um, runner of marathons. And he does crazy, crazy stuff. He's a carpenter and he's blind. <laughs> he, he, he builds amazing furniture and infrastructure. And he's blind. He's using all those sharp tools. And I, and for someone like me, I just look at that and go, wow, I can't do it. And I can see. Mm. And, you know, and he says, you learn because you have to. Yeah. He says, because what, what are the consequences of not? Now, so Darren, this mindset, put yourself in the position of a farmer or a member of a farming family. It's tough times at the moment. We've got climate affecting them. We've got subsidies affecting them everything could be possibly making them feel and think not positive things. Hmm. What, what is something they could do today that would help them on this journey, start them off on this change of mindset to be more positive outcome focused? So I suppose I suppose we, we always have to acknowledge that you know in any form of adversity there are you know it, it can actually you know push us over the edge so and and I think acknowledging that kind of makes us respect it so every yeah. challenge that we face uh, and sometimes it can be those really big things uh, but sometimes it can be those little things that just accumulate and 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 kind of nag away us and and just break down our our, our resistance over a period of time so I think it's it, I, I think the easiest thing that we could all do is what you mentioned before about around asking for help. I, I remember when I was losing my sight and, and it's maybe it's easier now because I've lost all of my sight that I sometimes I just don't have a choice but to ask for help. But when I was in between, you know, it was that was almost a more difficult time for me because I had to then make a choice between, well, I could do this on my own, but it's going to take me you know twice as long so if i went into a shop for example i could go and find the items i wanted but it meant i was gonna have to peer at uh, all the items one by one there'd be a queue of people gathered be out behind me kind of thinking you know yeah. hoping to get out of our way or i could go up to the counter get a member of staff and, and and get that person to to make me do that job quicker and that was a dull dilemma that i went through and i think where i came to as a kind of as as a resolution to that was that i suppose as 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 we come into this world we're in a state of dependence we're completely reliant on our on our parents to do everything for us then we want to be super independent we want to show the world that we can do stuff you know so if you if you're a parent your ch your children are going for that phase where they want to show you that they can do stuff on their own but i think there's a there's a there's a point beyond that which is interdependence when we realize that actually there are things that we can help others do and there are things that others can help us do. And so then asking for help then doesn't seem like it's this sort of a uh, hierarchical thing. It's more of a reciprocal thing. Um, so, so Darren, what do you think would stop somebody asking for help? Because I've got a word in my head here. I'm just curious from your perspective, because I think what you just said is so important for our farming community because they often don't. Uh, yeah. But why do you think people don't ask for help? I think there's it depends. I think there's lots of reasons, but you know, we we have got this sort of stoicism. You know, we we we're meant to just kind of put up and shut up. I think sometimes we can think, well, you know, there's other people who've got things worse than us, so you know, I don't want to complain. Um, I think 
there's embarrassment, you know, perhaps if it's uh, particularly as men, perhaps we, we're, we're less inclined to ask for help than, than women. Um, and I think that maybe that's because, you know, it doesn't match our kind of uh, our macho ideal of how we see ourselves. So there's a certain element of of identity, how we identify as, as people and we want to be perceived in a particular way. So to ask for help would would to admit that we're not quite as strong and as powerful as as we'd like to be. And I think thank you. And I think I really want our listeners to hear that because. The word I had in my head was pride. You know, sometimes pride gets in the way of a fall. Pride comes before a fall, doesn't it? And particularly, I think, you know, I would be encouraging our listeners and watchers to um, to not see it as weakness. You know, vulnerability now is often seen as a strength rather than a weakness. But in the farming community, men particularly don't like to admit they're struggling. And I think, yeah, that's... But to ask for help can be a sign of strength, I think, not a sign of weakness. Would you agree? Absolutely. I mean, you know, when you go into the gym, uh, you know, we, you, you get a spotter, don't you? So that, you know, the, the heavier the weight that you're lifting, you know, you need someone on, 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 on hand to kind of help you, you know, lift that weight. And also, if you've gone a bit too heavy and the bar comes crashing down on your chest, you're going to need a spotter to come and, you know, take that bit of weight off, off for you. So there are definitely moments that when we're, when we're rock bottom, when we're struggling, when we're at our weakest point, that is the moment when we most need uh, that support. Brilliant. And the the something I thought of, which is unlike me, because I'm not clever, <laughs> but <laughs> about about a year ago, that's not true. About two and a half years ago, we were having some really big challenges in our house here, and I was I was feeling really quite low. And I always remember people saying, you know, you're at the, you're at your best just before that moment of success. You've done all the hard work and it's just that last step and you're at your very, very best. And, and I was actually thinking, no, that's not true because sometimes it's when you've been given that kick in the face, you've been put down, knocked down, you've, you've had the failures and the knockbacks and you're face down in the dirt and you want to give in, but in that moment, you say, no, not yet. And you go again. And in that moment, that's when I think people are at their strongest. Not when they're just before the final success. It's you're at your strongest, as you would say, Darren, when it's pouring down with rain on a cold Sunday morning at 5 a.m. and it's sleeting, dark and windy outside. You could just hit snooze, pull the duvet in <laughs> and have another 10 minutes. But... Go training in the rain. That's when you're at your strongest, not as you're crossing the finishing line. Yeah, and I think you know it, it, it's it's taking some sort of strength from that. So you know, my friends, you know, those, those strange friends of mine that come out for me on those runs on that Sunday morning when it's cold and sleety and etc. Though we sometimes you know we might run past someone's house and you can see you know someone snuggled up by a fire for a window or something and. And you can think, yeah. So, so you can see. What? No, no, no. <laughs> no. Oh, I've been lying all these years. All these years, Darren. All these years. Rumbled. He's been rumbled. He's been rumbled and live <laughs> on the Farmers <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Don't report me, guys. I'm there's you one. But, you know, you take some solace from that. Like, yeah, I could be like that. But actually, you know, this is doing something 
extraordinary like uh, and I, I do and, and I've always believed that you know comfort is the enemy of progress so the moment that we are the moment we are feeling comfortable then we're not going to be moving forwards and so that, that adversity those challenges that we face are always going to uh, make us better in the long term I truly yeah. believe I, I love the way you mix many people in your position have got sort of inspirational quotes anecdotes stories but actually because you're a very pragmatic guy with a psychology background everything you're saying you're backing up as well with and this is why that works and this is how this works and i'm, I'm loving that i'm loving that I, do you know what i i, I just want to keep talking to you mate but we're fast, <laughs> fast running out of time here paul is there anything you, else you'd like to ask of darren yeah just read i mean i've got a couple of things that i've listened to and i thought the heavier weight you lift the more you need to ask for help i thought was fantastic metaphor for yeah. a lot of our farmers that right now they're lifting heavy weights you know if you're a dairy farmer and the milk price has gone down it's mm. yeah because environmental pressure so now is the time when you're lifting those heavy weights to go to your spotters using your metaphor that was really good mm. um but i was just going to say if there was uh, one or two pieces of advice final piece of advice you would give to somebody who's maybe in that sort of poor me place <laughs> yeah this is all a bit if the world's against me no one understands farming and you know and they and you need them to change their mindset what would be your your one or two tips that you would leave people with darren I think for a long time, I, I I was asking myself the question of, um, of you know, why am I blind? You know, what what have I done to deserve this? Uh, and I, and and we used to look at all the sort of, you know, there was the sort of the biological explanation. If, you know, this, there was a genetic mutation on chromosome thirteen. Um, okay, well, what can I do with that? <laughs> not not an awful lot. Um, and so, and 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 in the end i i came to the 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 idea that you know that was just what how it was meant to be uh you know that was out of my control or there was nothing i could do about that to change that situation um and so whatever whatever cards you are dealt with um i truly believe there is a way um there is a way i mean you might not know what it is at the moment um you might have to change direction you might have to go backwards sideways under it whatever that whatever your way around that obstacle is but once you believe there is a way to do something then then you can start to think about okay well or how what what are the options what what different things are there out there and that's where we can draw on our network to ask people you know what have you tried what have you tried what have you tried and they might not come up with a solution but it doesn't mean there isn't a solution because most most of the problems in in the world are solvable there are very few things which are intractable you know unless, unless there's a sort of a physical reason like you know there's the law of gravity which you're trying to uh to, <laughs> to override yeah <laughs> yeah, my, yeah my stomach's dealing with that one right now <laughs> most problems almost every problem out there has a solution darren what what i'm taking from this is not just sort of ask for help and seek positive people, but but it's more than that. It, it is, a, but you've actually given us ways of taking control of how we think and feel. That That is so, so important. It's the first step to take a personal responsibility for ourselves. And even though it was for you a reasonably throwaway comment, I'm actually taking real resolve here about you never regret 
walking away from a training session it is in it is in the days where it appears mundane you know for, oh farmer i've got to clean the yard again or i've got to hose down the tractor or i've got to go and um down seed the land or i've got to go and do that hedgerow and i don't get paid for doing hedges and you know it's in those days where actually if you can do it to the best of the ability with a positive mindset and a smile on your mush life gets better and i think we need to celebrate rather than criticize the mundane sometimes because it's in it's in the mundane that the magic happens at the end um Darren, I, honestly, I could talk you talk to mm-hmm. talk with you for a week. Um, so, some, so maybe if we do another series, we'll have you back. But, um, <laughs> but Darren, thank you very much for your time. Paul, any last comments? Just fantastic. Every problem has a solution. Every That's problem great. has a solution. That's what Darren. Da- uh, Darren, <laughs> if pe- people want to get hold of you, because you're a fantastic speaker, so if anybody wants to get hold of you, how can they get hold of you? Okay, DarrenHarrisGB.com is is my website, and I am on all social media channels. It's set for TikTok <laughs> at DarrenHarrisGB. So, yeah, if you've enjoyed what I've said today, if you've got something useful and valuable out of it, um, please comment. And, yeah, if you know anyone who'd be interested in me speaking for them, I'd love to know about that. And for well. those that are listening, it's Darren with an E, D-A-R-R-E-N, not D-A-R-R-A-N, just to make sure you find the right website. Right. There you go. And, and and guys, by the way, you know, you can imagine doing judo with a visual impairment. You could imagine sprinting with a visual impairment. But if anyone's thinking blind football, how 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 hard could that be? Go and go onto YouTube and watch some blind football. These guys are amazing. Brazil. I'd, I'd love to I'd love to send them to watch me playing blind football. I'm, and I'm all right, but Brazil are like next level. So uh, if you want to watch some true uh, magic on a football pitch then honestly they will blow your mind because they blow mine darren thank you very much indeed for being part of just for farmers today thanks a lot guys we'll see you again soon see you on the next episode cheers <laughs>